This episode of Back to Work contains information about holiday-related personalities that may be of a sensitive nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hola. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Dan. So you okay? You sound, like, you sound yeah, dolorous. Are you ill? Uh, I'm fighting something off. My little one brought some kind of plague home, and then everyone has that in different ways. Like uh, my, <laughs> my, my six-year-old uh, has some kind of super congestion and cough, and my wife has a full-blown cold, and now the little one's all better again. So now You're, I feel, you're like I feel the Fantastic like Four, if you think about it. It's it, like exactly. You, you, you pass through something, yeah. and now each of you has uh, their, well, I guess in this case, anti-powers manifesting in different ways. All right. That sucks. I swear to God, I was just thinking, um, I think it's been a, at least three weeks, maybe four weeks, and today is, in the same way that I, I felt felt ill, like pretty much right around the time we started recording a few years ago, I'm finally just feeling a little better. Not a little better. I'm finally feeling like it might be going away, which is rare. I, I don't usually get sick for three weeks. It's odd for me. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know what, what the way that this works. I, it, I, feel like, uh, I, I feel like we should get some kind of break from it, but we don't. And, then, and I remember what it was like before I had kids in school. <laughs> I, I got a cold once every two years, and it lasted for a, a couple hours, and I was fine. And I was like, people would be like, oh, I got a cold. I'm like, hey, you suck. You could and, still drink. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want. You do whatever you want. I'd be, I was right. drunk all the time. Yes. That's important when you're young. Um, I, <laughs> you hear the little, uh, I like that? you. I like you. you. sound like, you sound like a guy who got into radio cause you could smoke. Yeah, that's right. You can smoke while you're on the air. Uh, coming up about the seven minutes before the hour of nine. <laughs> uh, lots of, um, lot of Lego talk. Going yeah. On oh, we're going to get to that. Mm. We're going to get to that. We got, I don't know. You know what? We don't have to talk about this, but you know, we get a lot of email from our kids' school. Because we have our, my daughter's teacher is wonderful. You get stuff from the PTA. You get stuff from everybody. You just get constant emails. Everybody's on a two line. Everybody's getting to know each other. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I woke up yesterday morning, picked up my phone, flipped it on, and I, there was one message in my inbox, my heavily filtered inbox, and the subject line was "head lice, frowny face." Ugh. So that's not that's not a happy email. But that's nice that she put a frowny face. You know, <laughs> right. as if the as if just saying head lice by itself isn't. Doesn't in, invoke the <laughs> frowny face reaction. In well, it wasn't like a rage face. There wasn't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the what's the emoji for that sound that you just made? Um, I don't know. My the mailing. I don't want to say too much, but the, the emails that I get from the other various parents and authority figures, they're more heavy on signatures. They're not really quite up to. They're not. I'm not. I'm not saying they're retrograde. Although they do put everybody in the two line um, every time. Uh, it, it's no. It's more like uh, they're still. They're still more in like the circa 1997 Khalil Gibran quote stage. <laughs> the journey of ten thousand miles begins with the first step. <laughs> you, you seem awake and healed. You definitely seem healed. You Thank seem you. I feel pretty good. I I've been. Trying to get, uh, you know what? We can't talk about sleep. It's so boring. But I st- I've been trying to like 
you know, like a shark circling its prey. I'm trying to get closer and closer. Less reliance, doing things like drinking less, doing things like relying like less, less. water? Less water? Oh, God, no. No, I'm super. I'm hyperhydrated. <laughs> you can drink too much water, I've read. That's why I drink none. I try to drink You can nothing. do anything, Dan. This is America. <laughs> you can go cough on a baby if you want. Oh, God. Oh, my God. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Headlights, frowny face. No, I don't think it was the, too early that the show was happening too early. I think you've just been sick for weeks and weeks. You think you're better than me? No. No, no, it's not that. It's not really that. What is it? It's that uh, I had a nice morning. You know, I'm trying to, and oh, so the other thing is, as long as I'm telling you about my life, is I'm trying to rely less on sleep aids. And I'm trying to be consistent. I'm trying to get my lighting right, doing all that stuff, which, you know, here's the thing. You're listening to this and you don't do any of this stuff. And you're going, geez, Louise, what's wrong with this guy? Did he get dropped on his head? He's been talking about this for weeks. Yes. It's because it's hard every night. There's never a night where it's easy. There's never a morning when it's easy. This is called being an adult. It's hard every day. And so for me, it's difficult every night to go, you know, I really want to watch the end of Bill Cosby himself, but I should go to bed because now we're getting into the 10 zone. And the 10 zone is when I need to get super serious about making sure I'm in bed before the uh, 11 line. And so that's been helping. And then also I've been trying to get up in the morning. You know what I'm doing? Can I tell you what I'm doing? Mm. May I share this with you? I mean, it's your show. You, you know what they call it? Thank you so much. It is my show. And, and you know one thing that drives me nuts at her school? They don't call it sharing. They call it sharing out. Do they call it that at your school? What does that mean? Share. I don't know. It's another one of those unnecessary things that people add to things. Sharing out. I shan't you share out. I thought you can't end a sentence with a I only share in preposition. Can I see it? No, I'm sharing in. Um no, no, there's there's no way you can end a sentence with a preposition with. So I've been trying to uh get that stuff uh, wired. And 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 I well, you know this is personal, but I had a nice morning. I got up I kind of tricked my daughter into thinking that we were going to read, but mostly it was a chance just to chat. And the way that I get my daughter to chat sometimes is I tell her how much I enjoy gossip. And so I get her to gossip about her friends. And that's, that's a good way to get her talking about stuff. Oh, is there a lot of gossip at, in her? Oh, there's been a lot of tumult. Yeah. It's very... Uh... There's been some serious... Ca- I, don't, I, I don't know if this has been announced yet. I don't know if the families have been informed. There have been some big casting changes in Green Eggs and Ham. One of the leads is leaving. Really? Yeah, it's pretty big stuff, but he doesn't seem mad about it. So, I thought you meant in her academia space. In the academia space? No, yeah. no, no, no. You, you mean in terms of like gossip about stuff? Yeah, like what? It's you mainly know. who sat still, who didn't sit still, who got a clip, who got another clip. Do you have anything like clips? What do you What do you guys have for, um, you know, behavior stuff? What do you guys? What kind of system does your teacher use for for uh, for cash? Not for uh, cash. Sorry. <laughs> How is your child disciplined, Dan? Uh, do they have? Because like we have in I, school. I don't think I, they I would like much. to try if we may. I want to hear this, but I would like to try and, to the best of my ability, with my daughter having been in school for for two trimesters now, I would like to try and explain to you what the system is because it is so Byzantine that it's mind blowing. What happens? Well, no. Well, you tell me though. Like, so you know, they're kindergartners, or he's in first grade now. No kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten. So kindergarten is. This is so far from reductive, but in my opinion, kindergarten is about learning how to be places on time. It's about learning how to uh, eventually learn to control things that feel uncontrollable, like going to the bathroom and yelling the answer. It's to learn things about getting along and cooperation. Don't you think it's very much about socialization in a lot of ways? Yeah, very much. It's sort of, it's, it's preparation for when actual school 
starts. It's those basic rules and reinforcement of the basic rules. I think you could you could argue that in some form or fashion, most of primary school is about that in some way. It's about learning how to be, it's not even, I would say, a liberal, going to college for liberal arts is about learning how to learn. Going to primary school is about learning how to be even capable of learning. And, you know, and the thing is, when you're a little kid, the, the kindergarten is such a crazy mixed salad of different backgrounds, different people. It's a very, she has a very uh, culturally diverse class, which I really like. And, um, and she, it, you, you have really differing levels of like behavior control. I'm sorry, this I don't mean to sound like a clinician, but some kids, some kids are like terrified and sit perfectly still all day. And other kids are like swinging from the rafters and like have to be tased. You know, it's, it's all along <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Marie. That's three. Um, can I say the system? The system's pretty, pretty wackadoodle. You know what? I shouldn't talk about this. Nobody cares. It's not. It's getting off the topic of Legos, which is you know is what we're here to talk about. Yeah, and that's the main. Like Lego, 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 Lego toys and blocks. It still sounds so weird to me to not say Legos. It's. it's I mean, I guess is that's that's the the Greek concept of knowledge. I guess. Um, <laughs> is that the meaning? Worth every nickel that education I got. Um, anyway, I learned to sit still. But so what, you get a card. You start out every day and there's a card. There's a colored card. Sorry, a card of color. And the card <laughs> is of the card is of a color green. Starts out. Now, now, now there are exceptions to this, right? This is like Baccarat, you know? So it's a nice simple system. Pretty much everybody's card is green. I will tell you at the end how your card could not be green in the morning. Pretty complicated. You have a green card. And this is great. So you start out with positive green reinforcement. Card. Green card. Mm-hmm. Green card. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like permanent, like, permanent residency and, and, card. Andy McDowell, yes. This is not interesting. But you get a green card, and then what happens is if it's before lunch, and like you, you might have gotten like a warning about something, like Tyler Marie, please stop breaking the window. And you might get a freebie on that one. But pretty much if you like act out, again with the prepositions, you get like a little clip. And they put a binder clip on your green card. Okay? And then, and then if you do it again before lunch, you get another binder clip on your green card. Now, if it's before lunch and you get a third one of those, the green card can turn to a, a yellow card. No. So this is making sense so far. And then I think the way it happens is that like, if you can stay good until lunch, I think you go back to a green card. I'm not entirely sure. There's many, many chances for rehabilitation. But the thing is, I, I thought at first I was like, okay, this kind of makes this makes sense. So basically, in my head, a binder clip is a strike. Strike one, you get a binder clip. Strike two, you get a binder clip. Strike three, you're out. You got a yellow card. You're officially no longer a good kid, or you know, you've been you've been you've been remanded to custody. Or what hap- what happens to you though? Like you go to the office, or you you get a call? Um, they call you at home, or what? Well, this is where there's some social engineering to this that's pretty interesting. Like there's – I don't exactly understand the rules of this, but if everybody can have green cards for 10 days, you get prizes and stuff. It's pretty It's pretty cool. But here's the part where it gets bananas, is like, and I still don't quite understand this. Basically, I think some kid is eventually going to figure out that the whole thing is a sham and that there really is no bottom. It's kind of like yellow cards all the way down because – there, there is a red card, but like, if there's like, but then there's like, a, there's like a blue card before the red card. It's like SRAs, and even if you get to your red card, it doesn't it seem like it would go green, yellow, red, and you'd be done. And then they just have to take you out back and shoot you in the back of the head. No, there's also a rainbow card. I don't think anybody's ever seen the rainbow card. 
But the rainbow card is like you really, 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 really. It sounds really in like trouble. a rainbow card is something you would be working toward. You would want. I would want to earn, especially in San Francisco. I would want to earn a rainbow card because diversity. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I might be getting some of this wrong. I have asked her to explain this to me on at least half a dozen occasions, and I'm still, no matter what, it's like, who's on first? And I say to her, so you get two, two clips and that's okay? No, no, no. It depends on whether it's after lunch. And then if you can be good until something happens, and if you've been really bad, then you come in the next day and you're kind of on a version of uh, probation where your card might not be green in the morning. There are probably other parents out there. I think this might be, this might be part of the whole restorative practices thing. It's like a whole thing we do. But um, there's a lot to learn. And actually, this does, turns out, kind of, after telling about something you like, kind of get us into the thing that I kind of wanted to kind of talk about. Kind of. Legos. Lego. Yeah. <laughs> it feels wrong! It does I, feel You know? Wrong. And boy, boy, the, the friends that you lose when you say Lego wrong, those are good people. <laughs> uh, Dan? Mm-hmm. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Hello. Could you tell me about something you like? I want to talk to you <clears throat> about uh, about being a man. <laughs> How much time you got? Uh, usually, I don't know, a minute or two for the spot. So this one is Harry's. And you see, here's the thing. As men, Merlin, remaining men together, we've had to choose between either A, overpriced, uh, or, or be over market razors that you know what flat out disrespect our intelligence, their low quality, mm. their garbage. If you've experienced this, just cheap razors disrespect your face. You know, is that this. yours? Did you give him that? Is that a freebie? They're gonna have to run with that. I mean, I'm just an idea guy. <laughs> Harry's was created as a return to the essential, and this is Merlin's thing. This is right at Merlin's alley. This is a great shave at a fair price. Okay, so Harry's was started by a personal experience of uh, a young man named Andy, one of the founders. And, and this is, I think this is an experience a lot of guys have, have had. And here, here's an actual quote from Andy. I would, I would like to read this to you. He sent this over. I went to a drugstore. I waited 10 minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held. And I bought a four pack of blades and some shaving cream. And it wasn't the best purchase experience. I then walked out and looked into my bag and I had a receipt for over $25 with products and brands that didn't really speak to me as a customer. I felt like there had to be a better way. So he created better. No, this is the same folks who started uh, Warby Parker. So they know what they're doing. And, and this is what Harry says. They're focused on providing guys a great shaving experience for a fraction of the price of the competitors. They're like half the price of other razor blades, but they're better. Clean product design, less but better is their motto. That's theirs. High quality blades. They actually went to, to Germany and had the, the Germans make the blades for them. And I think that, I think that they even bought the, the German factory. So that they could own the whole process. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm going to have to look that up. The blades are half the price of their competitors, okay? Convenience and ease of ordering. Why? Because you get it online. You get everything online. It's shipped to your door. And the look and the feel of the product, the quality of the shave is great. This thing, these guys put together, the be you just have to go and try this. You go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. The promo code is back to work. They're going to give you a free four-pack of blades with your first purchase to all listeners of this beloved show, Back to Work. And, uh, and, and this is the thing. Yeah, they did. They bought uh, the, the razor factory in Germany. They bought it. So, but this is the thing. You can get, you can get just like the, the razor. 
and a pack of the blades, but they also make shaving cream, or you can get one of these awesome uh, kits where they have the whole thing put together. Again, if you've ever ordered from Warby or anything like that, you know their packaging is awesome. It ships right to your door. It's it's really great. So go check them out. Harry's.com. Code back to work is going to get you a free four pack of blades. Go check them out. Thanks very much to Harry's for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work with Dan Benjamin. And Merlin. Mm-hmm. Oh. Legos. <laughs> Legos. Yeah. Yeah, I. You know what? For she's never, she's never, a, she's never, she's never not ended the day on a green card. Please continue. Really? Oh yeah. It's good Perfect kid. deportment. Yep. Zero for conduct. No, one hundred for conduct. Let's start over. Legos. Well, I was just going to say you were asking about how the discipline system and where my kid goes. Usually, <clears throat> if he's laying on the ground and kicking kicking <laughs> chairs with his feet during class while the other students are engaged in learning. We will get a phone call, but that's sort of the way the system <laughs> works. We money. call those the phone call days. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't really hear much. That's about it. You you uh, you went in for. Um... I think we found <laughs> the right school. Yes, remember the com- the conversation we had, we had a wonderful conversation a few months ago. Where I think the the question that you asked, the way you phrased it, I, I hope I can get it even half right. You yeah. said something along the lines of like if. If if they were going to throw your kid out of school, they would have to call you, right? right. Like you'd have, they'd have to give you some they'd notice, to, like, like a warning, like legally or ethically. They should call you if they're thinking, like if they're thinking, not even just that it's officially like somewhere they send you a letter, but like officially, if they're thinking about throwing your kid out of school, don't they have an ethical obligation to like give you a heads up? Yeah, like they, there has to be like if this happens again, kind of thing, and and it. it seems like they did well they haven't they haven't i think he's there i think he's in now like transient status to permanent status happened yes two clips he uh oh he lost his first tooth by the way no kidding congratulations which one has lost like eight teeth now no 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 she's got the the two two front lower ones and she's got a six-year molar coming in Mm. how much what is so far no fevers fingers crossed oh good good so what is the recommended uh, amount that the tooth fairy gives in 2014. You asking me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm taking a somewhat unusual, somewhat novel approach to this. And it's, it's like a $20,000 pyramid. Okay. <laughs> What's funny? <laughs> I like, this is going to take, this is going to take three minutes. So is right. that okay? Yeah. That's good. First. Okay. First of all, I can't write in cursive. This is important. So the thing is, she's never seen me write in cursive. I had to write in cursive yesterday because there was a Paradise Pony Ball that needed an invitation. So I had to make three invitations to the Paradise Pony Ball. I use fake cursive for that. The problem is now it's the same, like I can't do cursive as the Tooth Fairies. I can't do cursive. So obviously it can't be in my my psychotic blocky handwriting. So first of all, notes. You crumple up a piece of paper, you put some coffee on it, you, you, you smash it up. You smash it up real good. You microwave it a little bit. You could do tea, something to make it look aged. It has to be look like parchment. That's that, that. That's what your note has to look like. <laughs> like, do you take the paper and and put lemon juice on it and and heat it in the oven? Are you talking about like a secret secret code type situation? Yeah. No, no. Uh, what I would suggest, the same way you dye wedding shoes, you could have like a very weak tea, and that that gives you just a little bit of brown, and and that's a nice way of parchmentizing. You can also burn the edges a little bit. I haven't done that because we've already used that for pirate maps. So in this case, I take usually like a yellow sheet of paper. I smash it up really, really small. And you, like I say, you can put it in the oven a little bit, but not a lot. Fake cursive. First tooth, $1. Okay? Yeah. I think this might be the Fibonacci sequence. I'm not sure. <laughs> Number 
Second tooth, five dollars. And you got you got you got to bend the the bill so that you just see face, and, and you put it, and, and you have to fold it in a way so that when it opens, they'll see that there's cursive and parchment and a face. And the second tooth is five dollars. <clears throat> and so what I do is the first tooth we took. And I think I actually put, put, put a picture of this note up one time. It's a pretty great note, my second note, or the tooth fairy's second note, which said, listen, I heard you might want to keep your teeth. So uh, uh, the first one, I'll keep the first one, and then this other one you can keep here in this box that's shaped like a tooth because I don't want to be a dick about it. Mm. Okay? Is this, is this helping so far? Are you, are you just going to be able to – so so the bullets. You want fake cursive, uh, uh, crumpled up paper, maybe with pirate edges, maybe heated. Uh, your first one, I'm going to say go with a dollar. You're in Texas, so maybe like 75 cents. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I say keep the tooth. Let him wonder. Does that help at all? Well, I, 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 we did it different the first time because, you know, the tooth came out yesterday. Oh, boy. I wish you'd called me sooner, Dan. I, I could have really helped. Thought about it. Did uh, you do pirate edges and fake cursive? No. Uh, he put did you even tooth- leave a note, Dan? No. Jesus Christ. I know. I guess we should have talked. He, Everybody uh, knows the tooth fairy is communicative. You should have, leave, one, ever, leave one tonight. Leave one tonight. <laughs> have you ever heard, has, has she ever described to you like what she imagines a tooth fairy to look like? Nope. But she does believe in leprechauns. Has your son? Yeah. Well, so. Oh, I want to hear this. Is it like the Yellow King? No. So, okay. No, keep in mind, I have a. a my son had refused to anything that was even hinted at something being slightly for girls. He so nothing would, red. He would so hardcore reject it. And he wouldn't I, I wear mean, red, I, even though it's Spider-Man's color. He wouldn't wear red because he said, what? Well, that's red for is girls. for girls. That's for girls. <sighs> so he, we got him to kind of wear some red once in a while. But, uh, and I mean, although I was very proud of him for this, it's, this is nothing that I encouraged or anything. I would say, well, you can wear whatever you want, but I was secretly proud, but he would, uh, anything like if it was pink or involved any kind of, you know, any, anything that might hint at being for girls, he'd be like, that's stupid. So now we have a, uh, you know, a, a daughter and she's two and a half. Now there are times when on the TV, there will be some kind of Tinkerbell or some kind of girl show. And he will watch that reluctantly, but he'll watch it. So he's, his tolerance levels, so, you know, speaking of d- diversity and, and all that, he's, he's, he's grown to understand that this is a segment of the world that he has to accept. Hakuna Matata. I know. So he's familiar now with like Tinkerbell and fairies and stuff because my little girl, in just as much as he completely rejects anything that's for girls... <laughs> she is the ultimate girl. Everything has to be pink or purple. Everything has to have hearts. Everything has to be sweet and cute and adorable. Like it, it she's just the, the, she will, the way her idea of playing will be to put little plastic bracelets on, put her little purse over her arm, hold her Aww. little cell phone, put sunglasses on her head and say, <sighs> daddy, I'm going shopping. Oh, she's so cute. It's like the quintessential, stereotypical little girl. So he's familiar with uh, with fairies. 
And not is he way. is he put off? Can I ask? Is he put off by the fact that she likes it, or is it just a, like a, that's not for me? Kind that's of not for me. But now he like okay, that's going to be on sometime. So he's so last night we had the little tooth and I and it was in a plastic bag because they put it in a bag at school, and he had it in the bag. I said, well, why don't we put this right here on the dresser by your bed, and the tooth fairy will come and, and she'll take it away. He says I, we got to take it out of the bag. I said why. <laughs> And he said, well, "It's not could, hygienic." No, she, she said, "Well, we won't be able to. Uh, she won't be able to to, to lift it. It'll, the bag it'll be too big. It won't be aerodynamic." I said, "Oh, right." And he says, "He's like, how big is she? She's only like this big." And he holds up his, you know, forefinger and his thumb, and he does like, you know, insy weensy. Yeah, like like he he's thinking she's about, you know. The height of like not 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 quite a pack you know in in the parlance of our times not pa- uh, quite a pack of cigarettes in height smaller than that. Oh, she's like a like a like a sideways uh, pack of gum. Yeah, like like, like a like a like a Wrigley's. Right, and I and and he's like he's like well, what is she wearing? And I said, well, she's sort of like it's like a tunic. You know, and and so she's got freedom of movement for her arms, and then she has like a little, a little small belt. Maybe it's like a little dress with fray. And he's like, "Oh, the bottom is frayed, right?" Yeah, I said, "Yeah." You know, and uh, and he says, "Well, what kind of wings does she have?" And I said, "Well, what what kind of wings do you think she has?" And he says, "Well, he's like more like fly or dragonfly wings than like butterfly wings." I said, "Really?" He says, "Well, she has to be able to flap them very quickly." This so sounds this, like Tinkerbell. Yeah, he's basically describing Tinkerbell. And I said, it was kind of like Tinkerbell. He's like, yes, yes, just like that. He's said, wait, Tinkerbell's not the tooth fairy. I said, no, no, totally different, totally different. So he's, uh, I think what he was going for was a sort of transparent sort of cellophane fly t- style wings, but with a butterfly shape. Anyway, so we, we gave him two. Okay, so there's this place you park on South Congress that if you pay with cash and it gives you change, it'll give you change in these, uh, they're not Sacagawea dollars. We've talked about this. They're um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other ones. They're presidential um, dollars. They're gold, but they're $1 coins. They're gold and they're the size of a quarter, but they're gold. So I, put, I, I crept in there last night, took the tooth, put two of those coins down and, uh, and got out of there. Now, how she can carry the coins, but not a plastic bag with a tooth in it, I don't know. But he didn't ask. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm really uh, impressed that he was just even asking the question, though, about being able to get the tooth. That's that's pretty good that yeah. he's thinking about that. Yeah. I, in my, my tooth fairy, I imagine being bigger. When I was a kid, I think, you tell me what you think. I, I think the tooth fairy was more like uh, Cinderella's fairy godmother. Yeah, I imagined her as a full-sized woman. I don't who, think she was foxy when we were kids. No. She was more like a, well, nothing, nothing, nothing there's anything wrong with Marion Ross, but kind of like a Marion <laughs> Ross or a, a school marm, yes. a Marion librarian type situation. It, yes, very yeah. sort of matriarchal. <laughs> matronly? <And> matronly. <laughs> <laughs> and, a very kind of uh, matriarchal, kind of like a uh, like an Amazon goddess in Victorian garb, without the ideology. Yeah, but focused, really focused. She and I matriarchal. Sort of imagine she might she might come in with sort. Of, you know how uh, Dracula can kind of turn into mist. I imagine mm. maybe she would turn into mist to get into the room, get the tooth and then sort of, you know, vanish the same way she came. And I think he's very much thinking 
that she's a tiny, and I, I'm wondering if it's either because of Tinkerbell or there's this other show. People don't want to hear this. No, that, no, because we're about to get to someplace very interesting that involves a bag of holding. Please continue. Okay, so I think that uh, that uh, she would, you know, like like I think that oh, there's this other show. What's the name of it? The Guardi- Lost Guardians or Last Guardians or something like that. Oh, the one with all the the, the with, holiday characters in it. Yes, and uh, it's called Rise of the Guardians. Rise and, of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I yeah. think he's thinking that she's like her in that. Got it. She's in that. Okay. You ever seen a roach? Of course. Or a rat, right? Well, I, I remind me to tell you about my roach nightmare. Roach nightmare. Okay. Um, what do we know? What do we know about these creatures? Here's what we know. Here's what you learned. Day one in Florida. Hi, welcome to Florida. Here's here, here's factoid number one. Any any varmint, if it could fit its head into an area, it could fit its whole body into the area. Oh, right. We know this about rats. Uh, we learned in that inf- instructional video uh, from Remy and Emil. We know we know that about rats. We know that I have always heard that a roach, basically, like a lot of insects, like its body can collapse. Anything that its head can fit into. All I'm saying is that would totally work. Also, mostly, and I'm going to get to the other part of this. Mostly work for the tooth fairy. I like the idea of her being able to fit through a crevice. I don't know if she'd be a mist. Seems a little normative, but the idea that she could get her get her tiny fairy head through something and then collapse her her wing structure. And, and behind and legal area and be able to, and I, I like the idea of that a lot. That makes it a lot more plausible. And we're still clearing out space in front of the fireplace, Dan, every Christmas. I don't know how much longer that, that one's going to hold up. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the idea of, of having some kind of a, of a magical dental creature that can fit through a crack is extremely appealing. Well, you know, it's, it, I'm fortunate because like when it comes to Santa Claus, he wants all the logistics. Well, how does he fit down the oh, chimney? That's murder. That's murder. I said, well, you know, he's magic, so he can do that kind of thing. And that, that usually is a good enough answer. You eventually will – I will eventually trip myself up because I'm real, I get real creative too early in the questioning. And then I have to, like, backtrack about it. I mean, the basic, the, the basic Santa problem – we're going to have to fire off the spoiler horn on this one for sure. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. We should say we should we should actually say something at the beginning because people do listen to the show with their kids for some reason, but um, but the idea of the whole like how does Santa get to every house on Earth? How does he know what everybody wants? But you know it's really interesting. I said to my wife that I think there's been a lot of there's been a lot of leprechaun talk because leprechauns have been have been looming large. Le- leprechauns are like a there's been a whole like leprechaun u- Uber project going on in her class, all the kindergarten classes. That, really? That's actually pretty hilarious. Oh, it's pretty hilarious. They have made leprechaun traps. Somebody awesome, the teachers have been coming in in the morning and putting down green footprints all in the hallways. Uh-huh. Somebody stole somebody uh, the a leprechaun stole Gonzo. And left a note, uh, Gonzo. Everybody, Gonzo is, you know, from the Muppets. You can anytime you're sad, you can go in the corner and hold Gonzo. It's kind of sweet. Gonzo went to Ireland, and we didn't know when he was coming back. The leprechaun left a note, and so everybody has made leprechaun traps. This is probably like a thing lots of kids do. So our daughter made a leprechaun trap, like everybody else. And uh, so, so, but you know, I was saying to my wife, well, I got a feeling we don't have more than another, you know, probably eighteen months with the whole Santa thing, because you know, I think she might even be getting. I feel like I felt like she was getting close <clears throat> to that whole like I'm just deciding that I believe this stage that every kid goes through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you kind of your suspicions in the back of your mind have, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a stage where a kid will willfully, like, continue believing, even though they kind of don't believe. Yeah. My wife disagrees, because she totally believes in leprechauns, which is awesome. 
she's she's like no no they're real they're like real and they're magical and they talk in a really high voice and they move faster than us because they're little <laughs> she's well she's definitely got a, a, a system for that reality build. she made a sweet ass leprechaun trap uh, I gave her the old box. Excuse me. She took the uh, an awesome box that I had. Uh, the Apple Airport Extreme, the new one. You know, like the new one, the new like um, cube one that's kind of oh, tall. Yeah. Sure, sure. Looks kind of like Legos. Yeah. Uh, she took that box, <clears throat> cut up. We, we, I helped her cut a hole in the front of it. We we found a picture of like uh, an anime lady leprechaun with a handful of gold coins. We we pasted that inside, and uh, we put a sign on a toothpick up front that says "Leprechauns Welcome." And then we put some gold coins inside because you're not allowed to bring, you're not allowed to bring Irish whiskey. I asked. That's what leprechauns love. (laughs) That's their, their go. Anyway, Gonzo's back. Gonzo's back from Ireland. He had a good time. He was hanging by his foot where the calendar usually is. And uh, so I think everything's back to normal. (laughs) Is this why you've been talking about that little uh, library elf so much? (laughs) Hello. Hello, Dan. No, down here. <laughs> Hello. Did you know that some of your requests have arrived? They're over on the shelf. Remember, only you can check them out. Bye. <laughs> can I tell you about uh, uh, no, something I like, Merlin? Yes. Tell you about fresh books. It's tax time. If you're not using fresh books, your life could potentially be a huge mess right about now. Tell me if this sounds right. You're looking for receipts. You're digging through invoices. You're going through every record one by one. That's the worst. It's the worst. Well, fresh books. Simple. <laughs> it's where you just have to start doing archaeology. That's right. Where you have to like go into areas and like start at the top. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you, but you go and you grab maybe a quarter of an inch and you lift up to see what date that is. And then you say, no, 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 no. Go another quarter inch and you lift up. And then you kind of have to, you, you've got to go be like Indiana Jones to go, yeah. go find the, the receipt for your Comcast. Yeah. It's, it's not fun. Well, these guys, they will, I, I, I don't, won't go so far as to say that they make tax time fun, but they make it a, a heck of a lot easier. They're a cloud accounting solution that it really does make things like tax time, but just invoicing in general, super easy. With FreshBooks, you create professional looking invoices, you capture and track expenses, you get real time business reports with a couple clicks. You can work from anywhere. You can do this from your client site. You can do it from uh, from your day job. You can do this at home. It's awesome. Uh, they just they make all of this stuff super easy. We use them here for all of our invoicing. Uh, we even invoice fresh books with fresh books. And I mean, I wish I'd known about these guys when I was starting out because they save you so much time, so many headaches. And what's really nice is if you're a fresh books user and somebody invoices you with fresh books. It shows right up in your account. Like it's all integrated. It's smart in that way. And you can you can pay invoices online. So you don't have to mail checks around. You can receive, obviously, if you're using it, you receive payments. Basically, the sooner you start using it, the sooner you can get back to work with Merlin Man. For a limited time, <laughs> try FreshBooks free for 60 days. This is a special thing over at GetFreshBooks.com. And you'll enter in the name of the show, which in this case is Back to Work, in the little How Did You Hear About Us section. That gives us credit for sending you there. And it starts your uh, your experience using these guys, and they are great. Get FreshBooks.com and are in Back to Work when you're signing up. And we sure do appreciate their support for 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Dan Benjamin. <laughs> Go read the In the Robot. Look at the robot. Oh. <clears throat> Don't read it out loud. Just read it to yourself. That's, that, that's an actual thing that she said last night. Hold on. I'm reading this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> That's awesome. And tomorrow she's going to become the queen. Become the queen. Ah, <clears throat> oh, got me a little uh, something. That was uh, pretty great. <laughs> she's got a cool pink headband. Yeah, the details. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, you can see this on Kung Fu Grip. I don't want to. I, I, you know, again, I want to be more. You know, they're very self-promotional these days. Yeah. How's that? What I do? I like you. I like you mentioning that site. Oh, Kung Fu Grape. Oh, since uh, since uh, <laughs> whenever it's been up. Yeah. Boy, I used to try really hard at that site. I love. I that put up site. some. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've really lowered the bar. You know, lowered the bar. Crank, I put it. I put in a screen. <laughs> Thank you. I put in a screen grab from uh, from an iBook last night. That's how I roll. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, the art in Superior is. The oh, worst. I gotta catch up. Oh, the worst. It's the worst. Oh, no. Moises is like, I don't have any problem with the art. It's terrible. The last <laughs> Because he's David Letterman? What, who, who's doing the art? That's Yosemite Sam. Uh, the last <laughs> few episodes are... <laughs> they're miserable. I don't know who's doing it. I don't, I don't want to know. Okay. I'm sorry. It's like, so many Amer- like so many Americans, she was trying to construct a life that made sense from things she found in gift shops. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? That's great. Slaughterhouse-Five, man. It's the only book. Now, I used to say it's the only book I've read six times. I think I've read this book eight times now. It's so awfully good. <sighs> okay. I have had a, uh, some thought technologies that have been evolving. Uh, and, and, and I realized yesterday, as I was assembling three different pieces of Ikea furniture, <laughs> that uh, these ideas have been coalescing in my head. And I don't have anything specific here. But uh, you, I don't know. There's a bunch of angles we can go. Should we just jump in here? Yeah, jump in. Okay, so there's, ang- there's angles of, uh, of the uh, QAQC customer service angle, which I think is kind of boring, but it, germane with regard to your post and with regard to me making IKEA furniture. I'm very interested in the idea of Lego and expertise. I've been thinking about that a lot, mm. which is kind of obvious if you've seen the Lego movie. It's kind of what it's all about. But I- I'm super interested in, in that connection. But first of all, just uh, to, to fan service, as they call it, <laughs> say what you said on Twitter. <laughs> Fan service. That's where you can see my behind and my, uh, right. my, 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 my Irish rack. Oh my gosh! Well, what I yeah. had, mm-hmm. uh, what I had tweeted out, you know, in we've gotten okay. So there's there's a new Lego set that I I got for ca- it's for cash. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, you're thinking of the big one. You're thinking of the big one. The little the little one. Uh, <laughs> it's art, it, Dan. Do you know what a good art. investment art is? Do you it's know how important it is? To inv- it's an art piece. You know, in San Francisco, they spend millions and millions of dollars for like boutique wood structures within their larger structure over at, at, at Twitter. And I figured we needed a really nice art piece for the office. We're probably getting an, an, a different office, moving offices here. And I thought we need an art piece. So the art piece that, that I thought would be, you know, perfect for us would be the Lego Millennium Falcon. Uh, a point of information there are is it fair to say that there are so i know there's one there's an article i ju- just linked to you to this morning where there's apparently like like a five thousand dollar one you can get this like super yes, ginormous yes i know I, there's one montero made with his son that's like really really big are, there's several different sizes is that right you can kind of get in at a level that, of competence you're comfortable with, with yes the did i tell you last week that i thought that the lego piece that he got would be the gateway into the movie did we talk about that? Yeah, I think you mentioned that you were you were hoping. Well, I think you were also had said you were hoping that an interest. I think I'm remembering this right. You're hoping that an interest 
in Lego Star Wars, we get him into the movie. Correct. Yes. Uh, so, oh, I'm sorry. Not the Lego movie. The Star Wars movies. Yeah. The Star yeah, Wars yeah. movie. So there is a Lego Star Wars Millennium Falcon. It's seven five zero three zero. Seven five zero three zero. Okay. It's it's in the show notes. Uh, it's sixteen bucks. So it's sort of a tiny. They call them micro fighters. <gasps> it's, it's so cute. Han Solo sitting on sort of on the Millennium Falcon. Okay, but they have also got a little X-Wing fighter, which I'll put in the show notes, and they've got a, uh, a TIE Interceptor. And th- so the, but they're little, and they're, you know, they're, they're in the $10 to $15 range. So uh, we've, we got like two, two of those, and then we were looking again, and now he's a huge Spider-Man and Doc Ock fan. And Doc Ock is, is probably my favorite villain. I like him. And... Spider-Man so villain or of all time? Marvel villain. Interesting. Go ahead. And uh, there is a there is a uh, there is a Doc Ock and Spider-Man Lego set, which is it's the um, it's the Doc Ock truck heist, and what they have done with Doc Ock's arms, it's pure genius. It's the best minifig I've ever seen. We got this, put it together. He didn't even care about the truck. He's like, dad, you build the truck. He was already off with Doc Ock and Spidey and Spidey comes with a web. It was really cool. So he's getting really into Legos and he's not just, he can follow the instructions and put all this stuff together, but he, he also will then, you know, after a while, take the stuff apart and build his own creations, which makes me very, very happy. And he loves it and he's great at it. And it's like finally something that, that I feel like he can really get into. And, uh, and anyway, long story short, uh, had to get the, uh, the full size millennium Falcon. <laughs> what number is that? Do you know? Oh yeah. That, that is um, millennium Falcon seven, nine, six, five. This is not, uh, according to John Syracuse, this is not as accurate or in any way accurate. As the four thousand one hundred and fifty nine dollar version, which is essentially the same size, but it's a, it's a age sixteen and up. What about the ultimate collectors? That uh, is 10, the one. One zero one seven nine dash one. Correct. That is the one that John Syracuse approves of, and apparently oh these things were God. like these were like a hundred or two hundred bucks. Were, I just found the post where Montero posted about this. It was five hundred dollars when it was released in two thousand seven. Yeah, and it's got a lot of bags of gray things. Yeah. Those are no longer sold normally, but you can get them from like individuals who are selling okay. them new. And that thing is, is technically far more accurate, but the $130 one, which is still an extravagance is, is pretty great. Mm-hmm. But it made me think uh, on Twitter, I was looking at this thing and all the oh, pieces. This is beautiful, Dan. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just catching up with all this is see for a hundred and some bucks. That's pretty cool looking. It's really amazing. And it's fun and you can put it together with your kid and it's bonding and all that stuff. And then it's going to be an art piece here at work. But uh, it occurred to me at how I've, I don't know how many Lego sets I've gotten growing up and how, how many my kid has. We, we personally have never been missing a piece. We always <laughs> have a few extras. We're never missing a piece. So I tweeted and I said, have, you know, something to think about, have you? And I asked as, as a question, cause I wanted to hear from, from, uh, people, have you ever been missing a piece? And most of the people who replied said they've never been missing one in all the years they've got stuff. And a few people, I would say maybe a compared like a, a quarter of the people said, yes, we were missing a piece and we contacted Lego. And within two to three days, they sent us the replacement piece. 
Wow. But think about how many millions and millions of Lego sets they sell. And they're not missing pieces in them. They're not missing pieces. All these little tiny little pieces, and they get them. It's that's really what I found. Something. That's what I found so thought provoking about what you said. Uh, because as soon as you said it, I, my first place I went mentally was into the panicky mode. Oh, did I, I'll never forget this. I've said this four times on here, but I remember being in New Zealand trying to find some way to placate my daughter, and so we ran, she was really into Star Wars at the time, so I went out and got her the Land Speeder, right? Which is one of those kind of small to medium sized sets, but she was like three at the time, and and I was just like, honey, and there's all these little bags, tiny pieces on the floor of this of this this motel where we were staying, and I was just like, don't touch, don't touch it, don't touch it. It was the dumbest thing in the world. It's so funny. I was like Lord Business. It was like, don't touch any of these, <laughs> don't touch any. Of these. If you see that little red, that little red clear thing, if you do that, then then Luke doesn't have a light, uh, doesn't have a land speeder anymore. You like that? You happy now? Good day, mate. Anyway, um, but but I, this because my mind goes straight back to that, and my total sense of panic that these had directions that had to be followed and if we lost any one piece but when you said that and then i really thought about it and the thing is we've got i hate to admit this but we've made she's gotten three uh lego movie sets in the last pretty short while Mm -hmm. so the i told you about the bridge thing with the crocodiles yes uh cloud cuckoo land which is great because you get unikitty and then the one where it comes with Wild Style. This was my favorite. Where we put, I put, I'll put up a picture of this. The uh, Wild Style's like cool, like motorcycle she makes while she's kind of flying down the street, and the police vehicle that pursues them, and like the little tire tread thing. And that thing, that's that's probably the most ambitious thing we've ever finished. And we finished most of them, but that took us that took us several partial days to finish. But you know, was when you when you wrote that, it occurred to me like I, I just remember panicking every step of the way, and like toward the end, I was like, you know, had all the pieces in a bowl, like a big like a mixing bowl, to make sure they didn't like fall off the table. Every time that I hear like a click sound falling off the table, I'd be panicky. We'd made that entire damn thing, and there was not a single piece missing. And these are not like one one nub and half size guys. These are like really really crazy pieces, and every single little piece was in that set. It, mm-hmm. it, it, but you know what I'm saying? It, it just blew my mind. I put together Ikea furniture yesterday. <laughs> Every set had at least three extra pieces. Now, I know that's a different thing. It's not, not the same thing. But like, think about like what must be involved in the system that must go into packing those seemingly random little... I mean, do you, is there any sense to which what goes in which bag, as far as you can tell? Uh, well, yesterday or not yesterday, a couple days ago when I was working with him on the uh, Spider-Man one, it seems like they organize them based on the stage of the thing that you're building. Oh. So that if you do what we do, which is open them all and dump them all out because that's the request. Dump them all out. Well, we should wait until dump them all out, please. Okay, fine. (laughs) Apparently, if you don't do that, it actually shows you in the instructions like now you're building the base of the truck. Open this bag. Like there's a, there's an, I never got that. I, I, I don't even wrong. No, no, no. I, I think you could be right. But like, of course we always have to jump into whatever one has the people in it. You st- we we got to build the people first. Oh, the, no, the people are required to be first. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You know, we should mention to readers. I don't, I, uh, we, we walked into Walgreens uh, a couple of weeks ago and one of one of my daughter's uh, friends' dad was in there, and he's standing there very intently over the little, you know, anonymous Lego bags. You buy a figure, you don't know what it is. And he's sitting there looking at his cell phone. He's flipping on the background. And I was like, uh, hey, what's what's going on? He's like, oh, you know, name of son is sick. We're going to get him 
kind of give him some of these Lego guys. He goes, and he holds it up and he goes, did you know that you can look up the codes and use these little bumps on the back to figure out what they are? Did you know that? Did you know about this? The bump codes? No. <laughs> I didn't either. Bump For a while, I got pretty good at being able to feel which Star Wars character it was. But when, with these, it's hard to tell because there's a little piece of paper in there. They obviously make it hard, but I've never mastered this. Somebody else maybe could email us about this. I found one YouTube video that was a little confusing, but apparently you can use some combination of these weird little bumps. You know how, it's, you know how it looks like a little packet of sugar? You got the packet, then you got like that edge around it. Yeah. And the edge, there's embossing. There's like a, what looks like a normal serial number on there, and then these weird little kind of bumps. And apparently you can use that to kind of roughly figure out what's inside the package. I Good did to not know. know that. Yeah, because we ended up buying one of these packages mainly to get uh, the figures. Well, and that's the way they get you now. Because 70808 Super Cycle Chase. That's the one. Nice. But that's how they, that's how they get you. Cause oh, that's how they, absolutely how they get you. Like we went, uh, we have a Lego store in town. And so we went there. Is this a show now? Yeah, I think this is what people tune in for. We went to the Lego store and in the Lego store they have, I think I mentioned this last time, they have a, um, a little minifig center where you can build basic minifigs. You can't really mm-hmm. build, you can't build like a Batman out of it. They don't have that kind of stuff. It's not it's like, like licensed characters, but you could say, I want to make a policeman or yeah, I want to make a, a policeman or a guy with brown hair. That's basically your two choices. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And, uh, but to get the, to get the cool stuff, you've got to buy, you know, you've got to buy the whole kit. And the Doc Ock one I was telling you about, like that's, you know, 16 bucks. That's the only way you're going to get Doc Ock. You can't buy like, and and then they have these just to, just to torment your children. Ugh. They have these displays in the toy store that shows all of the minifigures, all like all the Star Wars ones together in a big thing. There's all. It 30 seems of them. so simple. Just sell me the, the Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, but they won't. No, nope. no. That's how they get you. That's how we ended up buying. Like, uh, I hate to admit this, but like we ended up buying one of the X Men, one of the Marvel, like silly superfluous airplane things because that's how you could get i don't know if it was wolverine but it was one of the ones we really wanted um but it's amazing though I, there's actually also i'll try and find this for show notes i don't know if i'll be able to find it but i found a we've got a really found a really good book at our library i think it might be a dk book it's a dk style book mm-hmm. about the history of lego and um there's one that's all about the history of the characters but this this one was like the whole history of lego and it's it's amazing to just watch how they've uh, evolved over the years you know everything from the branding to the sets to like what they chose to focus on it's it's interesting to me also because like it's one of those rare things where it feels like a lot of the time maybe even um plurality a majority of the time when you start getting into getting into licensing deals it gets stupid and i don't think lego succumbs to that even their license stuff is pretty cool. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it isn't like you go, oh, it's breakfast cereal with my little pony on mm-hmm. it. Like, eh, it doesn't really make any sense. You know what I mean? Unless it's Applejack. Yeah. That'd be funny. Anyway, um, <laughs> is that her name? Who am I thinking of? Applejack? Apple, Applejack. Flut- and they get Fluttershy. Every, every, pony, every pony knows Fluttershy. Oh, we, yeah. We don't, know, we don't know anything about ponies. Ponies are not, not interesting. Oh, really? Yes. I don't, I don't get it. Huh? Ponies are are completely not interesting. You don't know, you don't know about helping Twilight Sparkle win the crown. Mm-mm. But you know, I think I think there's something interesting about that. A lot of people responded to my tweet by sending in v- videos of the Lego factory that were on, like in Gadget, Gizmodo, and things like that, showing how they. It's basically robots that are putting everything together. Are they made of Lego? The robots are not, but they, <laughs> there is a Lego robot that is broke the record for solving uh, the Rubik's cube. 
uh, fastest. It broke the latest record. It's a Lego uh, Mindstorm robot. It solved a Rubik's Cube in 3.5 seconds. That's two seconds faster than any other one, and it's controlled by an iPhone. Turns out... Mm. Hmm. Well, uh, 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 maybe we can make this about expertise after you tell me about something you like. I will tell you, speaking of expertise. I got to tell you. Limited. Squarespace.com. We had had an amazing uh, dinner the other night with uh, the Squarespace folks who were in town for South by Southwest. And it's amazing to me the way that they... they, I mean, this sounds silly, and this maybe goes to the conversation of expertise, but they take what they're doing so seriously. They, uh, we met the person who's in charge of their, uh, their, their music group because one of the features of Square. So Squarespace all in one platform makes it easy to create your own website, right? So you think of it as like, oh, I want to make a site for my iPhone app or I want to make a site for my business or I want to do a photo gallery or just a blog or whatever. Well, they have not that long ago, they added uh, really great stuff for for musicians and people who have bands and people who are making music. And it's, you know, you can upload your your album art and your music to them. They'll host it. They've got this amazing built in player that they give you. All this is just built into Squarespace. And it's really amazing. And uh, the person that they hired to to like help run their music group, it, she's been in like the record industry and in, in music production for years and years and years. She's wow. been to thousands of concerts. She's worked on you know a- albums. That's the kind of person that they get to run their music. Not just like a geek who know who has got a thousand songs on his iPhone, but like <laughs> somebody who's like truly in love with and obsessed with music and making the experience great. And that's how they approach every single thing by hiring people who really care by hiring people who really, really get it. And, uh, and we benefit from that as customers. So for a free trial, 10% off squarespace.com, you're going to use the offer code. Let's see here. Oh, go figure your show. Y-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. So you go to squarespace.com. A little close to home. A little close to home. Your show is the code. And, uh, and you put that in, you're going to get 10% off. It's going to take the price down to eight bucks a month. That's going to include the e-commerce stuff that lets you sell. It includes pretty much everything we've been talking about. It's all built in. You can connect with the services you like, you know, Twitter, it'll have, it'll tweet when you make a post, Pinterest, Instagram, everything else you love. They've got 70 people on hand all the time to, to help for live chat during the week, fast email day and night if you need help. Uh, so go check them out. Squarespace.com. You're going to get 10% off if you use the code your show. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making this broadcast possible, Merlin Man. Yeah, Dan Benjamin. Thank you very much. They're so good to us. They're good to the network. They're, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to go there. Can I go there? They're good to podcasters. Yeah, they, 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 they do so much uh, to support shows that I really love. And uh, it's, it's a nice association. When I hear that name, it makes me happy, always. You know what? I don't really have anything too useful here. Um, I was just... the. I don't want to spoil the Lego movie that everybody has seen multiple times at this point, but part of the, the thrust of the movie is that this, the main character in this is this guy who is, uh, I won't get into it. Basically it's about these things. What do they call them? The master builders, right? Is there's these certain characters that are able to like make anything out of anything. They're very, they think very creatively. They don't, they don't need the instructions and they're able to just visualize based on like what they can see, what they could make out of right, something. Right. And um, boy, this is really tortured. We should just skip this. It made me think about expertise because I think that's it's really boring to talk about, isn't it? It's expertise? Kind of no. It's, it's kind like of per- Persig wrote a whole book on quality. Why can't we spend thirty minutes talking about expertise? 
Well, you know, um, it's a topic that I just, I feel like I can't, I can never get away from this. I, it's just, it's one of those things where whenever you see these things, it always, it's, I don't know. There's so many things to me that feel a little bit explainable by, in this case, like, well, I'm particularly interested in this thing called the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition. There are, there are various other ways of thinking about this, but uh, you can look at show notes. Dan, Dan, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Colin. Please. Yeah, thank you for your first time, Dreyfus. Could you um, please uh, tell your listeners where, if in as much as you can say, where they would find show notes for episode 163 of your Back to Work program? Yes, they go to 5x5.tv slash B, as in boys, 2 as in the number, W as in women, Slash one six three. That's it. It's that simple. So this is something people have sought to do for a long time: is to figure out, you know, not simply like what it is that makes somebody good at something, but you know how how to help get somebody good at something. And you know, you think about all just the history of pedagogy and the interest in trying to make it. Uh, you know, finding new ways for teachers to help make people better. And I don't know. I just, I think there's, there's this fascinating thing uh, called the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition that we have talked about before. Uh, you can go read about it in show notes. There's a link to it. But uh, when I first learned about this, it's been impossible for me to shake ever since I first heard about this. It's these two brothers, Stuart and Hubert uh, Dreyfus um, in this 18 uh, page report from 1980. The original model proposes that a student passing through the, uh, the original model proposes that a student passes through five distinct stages: novice, competence, proficiency, expertise, and mastery. And it's something we talked about before, but I do encourage you to go at least read this Wikipedia article. You can the, the paper is not too hard to get through. It's uh, you can read the original paper, and it's it's not the first thing of this kind that's ever been out there. But I think it was part of an attempt to try to formally kind of codify what it is that's special about the different stages of learning, not just to say something as simple as well, this person is a novice and this person is an expert. On the one hand, there actually are more phases to it than that, and to me, most fascinating at all, there are there are various. Uh, assets and liabilities to every stage of that learning. And today I was actually just, you know, before the show started, was uh, killing a little time reading some of these other entries. Um, and here's an even more simplified version. But the, the, nut, the nut of it is that when we start out, we don't even how much, we don't even know how much we don't know about something. And by the time we get great at something, as much as we know, it's sometimes maybe difficult to even explain why we know things in the way that we do. And yet, we might be, if you think about when you really get good at coding, or you get good at um, uh, cooking, if you start understanding uh, how to do stuff in a way that you might be able to explain to people, but if you were to take somebody who'd never cooked in their life, it would be hard to explain to them, like, how you knew how long to cook that egg. Yeah. You didn't use a timer. You just knew how long to cook that for. The classic example that I'm always returning to is the 80-year-old guy who works at the butcher shop. He knows that this roast beef that he's holding is like a pound and a half, but he can't tell you how he knows or mm-hmm. why he knows that mm-hmm. it's a pound and a half. It's a different, it's a different kind of knowledge. Like, so, and then all along that spectrum, you have these different levels where I'm, I'm, I don't want to waste time looking for this article, but at, at the lowest level, like you don't even know what you don't know <laughs> about what you don't know. Let me find this. Let me just read this one because this is pretty good. The four stages of competence. This is a, an idea that goes back to, I want to say the 70s, it looks like. So there's four stages in competence. Is this super boring? Can I do this for just a few minutes? Not boring. Thank you. 
Four stages. Stage one, unconscious incompetence. So you don't know what you don't know. You don't understand what you don't know. You may not even think that there's something out there that you need to know about. You may not know something is valuable. So, you know what I mean? In other words, it's, it's something where like, you know, you would look at somebody and go, whatever, I don't need to know how to cook an egg. Like, why would I want to know that? Mm-hmm. The second stage, conscious. So instead you started unconscious incompetence. Second level, conscious incompetence. So even though you don't understand how to do something, you recognize that you don't know how to do it. And you've now started to understand that what you want to do is valuable. So you have to understand that there's this thing that you could want to do. And importantly, you have to understand you don't know jack about it. Right. And this is the kind of person who could, for example, follow a recipe. They could use a timer. They could turn a dial to this amount, but don't ask them stuff like how much does this roast beef weigh and how much, how many, um, how many ounces are in a pinch? Because, you know, they're not going to know that information, but they know the right amount. Well, they know from following the recipe, if the cup is right and the, and the, uh, range is, 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 uh, is well calibrated, right? If you're doing the bacon method, the bacon method is something that a, uh, that, that most people can do if you follow the directions and all of your equipment works right. Right. Mm-hmm. But the third level then is where it gets more interesting. You get to, in this case, this is not the Dreyfus model. This is just this four stages of competence. It's a little simpler. Conscious competence. And this is, I'm just reading from the uh, Wikipedia, which is uh, never wrong. Uh, they understand and know how to do something. Uh, demonstrating the skill or knowledge requires concentration. It may be broken into steps. Heavy conscious involvement in executing the new skill. And I think that's where a lot of people may get not stuck. But that's, that's the highest level that most of us achieve with something. It's like, okay, I could go and like if I work really hard on learning this new uh, coding and development environment, I'll be, I'll be pretty darn good at it in six weeks. Cause I've done lots of these things before I can pick this up. I may still occasionally need to go look at a manual or I may need to, I mean, you know, if I have a go, if I go back and look at like code that I hadn't commented, well, I may have to go like kind of read through it to remember what I did. That happens. Right. But conscious competence, like, you know what it is you're trying to do. You know that it's valuable and you've got a general framework for kind of like how things work. And then the fourth level in this particular model, unconscious competence. The individual has so much practice with the skill that it's become, quote unquote, second nature, can be for, uh, performed easily. As a result, the skill can be performed while executing another task. Uh, you might be able to teach it to others depending on how and when it was learned. Unconscious competence, though, is so fascinating to me because even that's the point where, like, for example, uh, if you're a cook, you could be like my sister-in-law, right, where she can open up the refrigerator and pull out leftovers, and as long as she knows that they're not bad, she could, with a freaking campfire, she could make an amazing meal. She doesn't need to know how hot the campfire is. She right. doesn't need to have even used the pan before. You know, like if you've used all your own stuff and you're like, you're in your environment where you have 100% control, like most people can manage to make something that's not unpalatable. But she has achieved that master builder level where give her any ingredients in any environment and she will make something surprisingly good, let alone when she has total control in her own kitchen. And that's kind of what a master builder is in, the, in this idea of Lego. Is somebody who does not, does not, certainly wouldn't even want any instructions because they want the absolute control of just giving me the best ingredients and letting me run with it. Whereas I am at probably that second level where I really do want to follow those instructions. Yeah. I don't want to skip any steps. I don't want to get loosey goosey. I don't even use the wrong colored, clear, um, little light thing like for a siren because I want to make sure I'm using all the right stuff. I, I, I am very uncreative, oddly enough, when I'm doing Lego. It's like building a, a, a model in a lot of ways. So I'll take a breath here. Does this, is this, is this making sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I think it's, it's an interesting way to think about things because, you know, it's even, even in, in an example of, I mean, I guess regular writing or writing code, like there's this 
you know, and I've been doing a, a heck of a lot of writing of code because we're working on all, uh, a whole bunch of infrastructure stuff. I've written more code in the last two or three weeks than I've written in the last three years. Wow. And yeah. And it's, I mean, it's kind of tiring because I've been doing it on top of everything else, but it's also, you know, it's fun in a way, but it's interesting because when I started ramping back up into writing code, I wasn't, there was so much that I had to look up. It's not how do I write, you know, a, 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 a loop. It's not like that, but it's more like, oh yeah, there are a whole bunch of these methods that are, and most of the stuff I do is in Rails, that have changed in Rails 4 than were there in Rails 2 or 3. And, you know, and so you have to sort of look up and relearn that vocabulary. But somebody who's doing this, and now for me, you know, doing this a lot over the last few weeks, I don't need to look that up anymore. But it's it's almost that when you talk about cooking and things like that, you're going to sort of intuitively know that the soup that you're making needs more salt just by knowing how much you've put in and having made a hundred other soups before, you know, like you don't have to, although you should be tasting it all the time, right? Like in a way you, that, that aspect of just knowing it's almost that knowing the expertise has a connection to just that knowing of this is going to taste like that, or this is going to work this way, or I shouldn't write the code following this pattern. I should use this one. Why do I know that? Well, I just, this is the right way to do it. Well, how do you know? I just know. You know, it's that knowing. Oh, absolutely. And uh, this is not about Lego in necessarily, but think about those phrases that are so frustrating. Things like a pinch. Like how much is a right. pinch? Well, there's probably somewhere out there where you can look up what a pinch is. But a pinch is, you know how much a pinch is, <laughs> I guess. You know, I mean, when you write down your own recipe for stuff, you may have, you know, you may not sit there. I mean, in the way that you write down your recipes could eventually, I imagine, be pretty different from how other people do it. Or think about phrases like, uh, this code doesn't smell right. Or this project doesn't feel right to me. Right. Like it becomes, it does become about a certain kind of intuition. And, and now here's, here's part of the problem. Certainly as anybody can claim that they have intuition or let's, let's be honest, anybody could have intuition. It's just sometimes for some of those folks, that intuition is a total crapshoot. Whereas for other people, it's something where it, their intuition comes from a much deeper place. It comes out of experience. And I think, you know, in numerous times we've talked about um, this, this issue, I think one of the things to always keep in mind is that how easy it is to kind of get stuck at that level where you know enough stuff about stuff that you think you're an expert. But the, the thing, one thing that, differ, in my mind at least, differentiates an expert from somebody who's merely competent is like, okay, so if you've managed to finish, or not you, but if a coder has managed to finish a Rails program mm -hmm. Uh, you know, be able to get something up and running that does something and like successfully lets you, you know, make an order or whatever. If you've made one Rails program, like that, that's a good sign that you are, it's no guarantee, but it seems to me that's a good sign you're becoming competent. If you did that all on your own and there's no huge errors and, and bugs, then that's a really good thing. But no way does that make you an expert. Because to me, the difference, there's just a, a real simple difference. And this is also kind of what separates a good leader in a lot of ways, or a good manager, however you want to put it, is it's not somebody who has a pretty good guess on how to solve a problem. There's people who got a pretty good guess on how to solve. They reckon something about how to solve a problem. Uh, having never actually solved that problem, or <laughs> having unsuccessfully solved that problem. Uh, but if you've never tried, if you've never actually tried to solve a problem and you got a guess on how to solve it, 
I don't know. You're probably, I hope you're not the person running the project. The next level up is you got somebody, yeah, it could be somebody who's tried a lot of times to solve a problem and has never had it turn out great. The next level up, you got somebody who's tried to solve a problem a bunch of times and has succeeded sometimes. And then I think you get somebody who has succeeded and failed and kind of succeeded and kind of failed so many times, dozens or hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Think about somebody who's been a waiter for 20 years. You know, I remember after a day or two of being a waiter, I thought I was really good because I wasn't dropping things as much. But it was nowhere near somebody who's seen, you know, they talk about things like a hundred year flood. I mean, there are things like hundred year problems. There are one year problems. There are problems that only come up once a year that are going to be completely unsolvable to somebody who's never had to solve it three times. And so that's what makes somebody to me an expert is that they can, first of all, identify what the problem is to be solved. Like they, again, back to Peter Drucker and knowledge work, the first task of the knowledge worker is to decide what task needs to be done. So somebody who can like look at in the midst of all this information in the world, look at what needs to be done here and be able to grok that really quickly and and succinctly and say, okay, I can see where we are now. I can see where we need to be at least next, if not in the last instance. And then they have a pretty good idea about what needs to be done in order to do that. They're like the master builder where where Wild Style is flying down. I love that scene. You know what I'm talking about? Where she's going down the street and she's out of the corner of her eye. She's seeing the numbers for these different sets and and then like creates that crazy cycle out of just stuff that she's just finding as she rolls along. It's, I think those are the most triumphant scenes in the movie or like when people do all the wrong projects at the end of the movie, Hmm. like that shouldn't work. That doesn't make sense. That's not the instructions, but that's what the expert does. I'm sorry. I'm ranting here. This is is kind of, no, this is good. Yeah. I'll wrap it up soon. But I think that that's, as I sit here and I put together this Ikea furniture, I sit here and like actually watch my daughter put together these sets in a way that I would have at her age would have found impossible. And I still find pretty challenging. Like I have to, when I'm sitting down doing a Lego set, like I don't do anything else. Like maybe the radio's on, but we sit down and that's a thing that we're doing right now. And then when we're not doing it, everything goes in Ziploc bags. We put it away. Like I really need to concentrate. I couldn't just sit there and throw parts at that and guess how it's going to fit together with this other part. She's the one that goes, Oh, look, it's actually a hinge and the back opens up and you can put dynamite in the back. I was like, Oh my God, I just built that. I didn't realize it could do it. So I'm obviously not an expert there. But to me, that's, that's you know, when we talk about things like good managers, good bosses, good, uh, just good leaders, it's the people who are really good at that and don't have to tell you about their flavor of the month thing that they've just gone to a seminar about are the people who have dealt with people for so long and the people who have seen so many problems go by that they probably couldn't even tell you what makes them a good leader. Sure, you would say you would look at them and say, well, they're communicative. They're good listeners. Uh, they have they have intuition. They have, but really, one thing that they've got is that they have faced a particular kind of problem or or situation so many times. They've seen edge cases, corner cases. They've seen you know upside down cases. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, but but don't you think that's kind of a common thing? Is is when you even you encounter somebody who's succeeded for a while, but they've never really had their ass kicked by by problems. Right. And I think sometimes. They, those are the folks who are really struggling to become a good leader, a good manager, even a good practitioner, is that they've gotten – they've done pretty well for a long time, but now they finally face something that feels like an inversion of everything that they know, and they haven't encountered something like that six times. This is the first time that's happened, and I think that's a real turning point. It's like the point where, like, you know, when you're building the Lego, and now you're going to like, well, how is this thing going to fit together? What are we going to do? It feels like a crisis. Don't you encounter that in work? Oh, a lot of the time. I mean, it's, it's, and it's like you're saying, it's that, it's that feeling of having seen something 
before and almost being able to, in a way, head it off at the pass, right? And I feel like that as you get more experienced in your job or in your career or whatever, your value as an employee isn't so much in the stuff that you do as much as it is in the stuff that maybe you you know you don't have to do or you know the right way to do it. You're not wasting as much time. There's less discovery process and more just getting down to doing the thing that you you should be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that wrong? Oh, it, no, no, it does. It, it does. And it gets me thinking because then I think about, and I feel, I'm not trying to, I don't really don't mean to put like a value judgment on this because everybody has their good days and bad days, but we've all worked for people who have been inside the business for so long that you just, you just, you just trust them because they obviously know what they're doing right. until the day they leave that company. Boy, you really want to be working with those folks because they can tell stuff like, I don't know, but but here's a, there's a pattern anti pattern thing that I think is important to keep in mind, and and so this is this is the troubling part. Think about like being a teenager, or like you know think about being a little kid and thinking you know how to read minds. Mm-hmm. Think about like being like a little kid and imagining that if you concentrated enough, you could make a tree move or something. Right. Imagine getting to being a teenager and like all the magical thinking that we have. It takes a really long time. But then think how many people you've met in their 20s and 30s who think their intuition is really, really mm. good. You can go Google Dunning-Kruger effect. People who think they're awfully good at something but are what the Dreyfus brothers might call an advanced beginner. Where you're somebody who knows enough to look stuff up and you haven't had stuff catastrophically blow up because you haven't done it enough to even have the experience of something catastrophically blowing up. So here's the problem in, in, in something like a, a team or – an industry or a whatever, any group, is that you could meet somebody who's real cocksure about everything that they do. All their deci- they, they seem real decisive, and they've watched a lot of TV, so they know how to behave and move their hand like this. And they seem like they've got really good intuition about stuff, but how do you know? And there could be that this, this, this old lady over here who's real quiet, and she's been around for a long time, and maybe she's not like the boss, but man, she sure seems to know a lot about stuff. Right. And so one person, there's one person who's new there who goes, let's hire, we need to get, get this delivered tomorrow and it's running late. Let's hire uh, company A. And then person who considers themselves experienced says, actually, you know, last year we had a problem with company A and we agreed that we would never use them again. And then somebody slightly more experienced who's been around a little bit longer says, well, you know, actually company A is, um, has had a lot of manage, management changes. And I've been reading a lot in in-flight magazines about how they're getting a lot better and so on and so forth. And you can have these concentric circles of people who have more and more information until eventually you get to that old lady over in the corner and she goes, um, I'm going to be in that part of town or I'm going to be driving to that town tomorrow. Why don't I just take it there? Bonk! And suddenly you're thinking way outside the box yeah. because all out, all the decisions that we're making about these, like we're all whipping out our wieners and try to be the one who has the, the most information about which delivery services are canonical. But then somebody else, just, just in a glance, in a blink, if you like, can see like what the problem is that needs to be solved. And they, they never even got involved in that pissing match about, yeah. about who knew more about what services we use. Yeah. That to me is what it means to be a master builder is somebody who, you know, who is, who is paying attention and, and staying real heads up about what's really happening. Those are people hard to find. They're hard to find because they're not the loudest right. ones. They're, they're not the loudest ones. They're not the most powerful ones. You know, you just, I don't know. I, I, but when you meet them, you really want to, you really want to hug them. <laughs> You're a hugger. 
Are you doing okay, Dan? Is everything all right? I feel like I feel like the temperature in the in the room no, changed. Did I, did I say something I'm bad? Just, I'm, de- I'm deep in thought about what you're talking about. Sometimes you do this when you, especially when you read your uh, your prepared uh, statements. Uh, <laughs> no, it it you know it's interesting because you know I'm I often think about my father in law who's he works at a, a press in Florida. They're a printing press, right? And he's one of the most veteran folks in the place. But at some point, and because even though he's got a, he's got a business degree, uh, but he, he likes his job. He likes working on this press and it's a big press and it's a big, big, big press. Like they, in, in the press industry, they have these things called towers. I'm talking about like a, a major newspaper thing, not like a little printing press where they do like, you know, invitations or something. Um, and at a, at a certain point, you, you kind of know everything about the job. And I don't know whether that point is two years or five years, but it's not a lot of years. And the value of you as an employee, if you have three years, let's say it's three years and you know everything you can know. The difference between the person who's been there for three years and the person who's been there for 15 years is how much the person who's been there for 15 years gets paid. Of course, you want people who are accountable. You want people who show up for work and they're not high, you know, but uh, those things aside, as far as expertise and skill and knowledge and knowing how to respond to stuff, you will get a making up the three-year thing. Maybe it's even less. After three years, you've got all of that. It's not like having business experience and like being a lawyer and trying a thousand cases or being a doctor. The, the, growth, the growth curve, the growth curve in like how much you grow after that third year, it's, it's, it hockey sticks yeah. up to the three year point, but then it isn't like your that velocity, velocity is not maintained year over year for 12 right. years. And the problem is that the folks who run that place know that. And so when people mm-hmm. start buying less newspapers, fewer newspapers, as you would say, then mm. we, you know, we, we don't want newspapers anymore. We get all the stuff online. Well, printing goes down and then they're like, huh, we still need to print. We're keeping the press open, but we need to lay some people off. Well, who are they going to lay off? You would say not the people who are loyal, not the people who've been working here for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Like my father-in-law, we're going to lay off the, the, the people who just showed up, the people with no seniority, you would think. But, but he's, a big, he's a big target. Yes, because he makes way more than the guy who shows up to work not high and has been there for three years and has a hundred percent of the same skills. Um, he's been lucky in it. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't get laid off when they had these multiple rounds of layoffs, but it almost kind of goes the other way. It's like the flip side of what you're talking about. And I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I think a lot of our listeners are probably what you would call white collar employees, people who are designers, developers, writing code. But I know that we have, you know, we have tons of listeners who are in, uh, in, in, in jobs more like, you know, the kind my father-in-law has. And mm-hmm. we've all had those. Jobs. Yeah. We've all had them where, you know, th- there's a, there's not any, uh, there's not especially greater value in having more experience. Once you get to a certain point, you almost become like a liability in, in a cost section. Cost, center. cost centers. Cost center. Yeah. No, I, I know it. I don't, I do absolutely know what you mean. It's really frustrating. And I think that's one reason a lot of people, when they get into their thirties, forties, fifties, it's, it's really, it's a, 
I mean, there's a terrible thing that happens where, like, on the one hand, you might, you as a worker, even if you're a knowledgeable worker, might become a little, maybe you're not learning as much new stuff, you know, yeah. uh, maybe you're not g- keeping your, keeping your radar up to like what the ne- what the changes in the industry are going to be, if the industry is still going to be around, like what kind of changes do you need to make that go beyond like, you know, which division you suck up to. But, you know, it really, it is a shame because I, I feel like I've seen this happen inside of companies where, and some, you know, sometimes this is, uh, you know, a wash. And then other times it's a tragedy where you say like, wow, you know, that man or woman has, uh, has been here for what they've been here for eight years, 10 years. And the thing is like with the job market, how it is like we could hire two people. We could hire two MBAs Mm -hmm. out of college for what that person is making, which seems like the hugest value in the world. And maybe it is, but (laughs) you know, it's, uh, it's a real, it's a real bummer to watch a lot of institutional wisdom walk out the door. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's something a lot of companies struggle with is like where to put that stuff. It's going to take more than a wiki or, you know, somebody doing <laughs> an oral history. Yeah. Dan, uh, we, we're going a little long here. Would you mind telling me about uh, just one more thing that you I can like? come up with something. I'll tell you why not Shutterstock. These, uh, these guys are amazing. 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and a million video clips. Uh, if, if you want to be like Merlin and you want to give, you know, talks where, uh, where you change people's lives. Uh, Hello. You know, it's easy. Just go to Shutterstock.com and find some really great images, throw them up on a projector behind you, and you you will be the next one. In <laughs> and like I said, there is, Boom, there you is have a, the expertise. a Merlin man. <laughs> there, uh, there is a Merlin man sized hole right now in the, in the, uh, in the world of uh, speaking, oh. and you can fill that hole. That's one, one <laughs> way to do it would be with these amazing images. I'll t- You're going to fill the manhole? <laughs> tw- listen to what they're doing. And these, these truly, in, in all seriousness, they have amazing, amazing images. Uh, they're all taken by independent photographers all around the world, many of whom make their living selling their photos through Shutterstock. So you're supporting tons and tons of creative individuals all around the world. They add 20,000 new images a day, 12,000 videos each week. Uh, they, they are just great because they support these independent people all around and they've, they've at the heck out of these photos. They're really, really, really good, but they have more than just photos. They got infographic templates. They've got icons, they got vectors, you name it, they've got it. And, uh, and you can go there you search for what you want and you'll find it right away. And they're always updating the content. They're always keeping it fresh. And, uh, and here's all you do. You go to shutterstock.com and the code that you want to use is back to work, three, one, four, back to work, three, 14. And uh, when you sign up for your account, It'll you start throwing the stuff you want into your light box. You can do the same thing with their free iPad app. And when you're ready to buy anything, it could be one image, it could be a thousand images, 25% off using that code back to work 314. So uh, go check them out. Thanks very much to Shutterstock.com for supporting 5x5 five five and back to work. I don't know if you noticed this. I, uh, I took a moment in preparation for the show, and it really was a moment to put together a Shutterstock light box oh. of images involving Lego. Really? That is in show notes for our site, which uh, this particular episode, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash b2w slash 163. And uh, you can find some Lego stuff yeah. in there. Isn't that mm-hmm. cute? I also put a good uh, a link in notes that I, I recommend people check out <clears throat> from a site called Priceonomics. It's called Life as a Lego Professional. <laughs> and it's a, nice, it's a nice glimpse inside the world of these tiers. Uh, I guess it's like three different like professions you can have as a creative person in Lego. I'm sure there's more, but you can become a master model builder. 
where you're one of the people who like works at the parks and makes the models from a design and stuff like that. There are people who are <laughs> Lego certified professionals. Do you know about these people? No. What does that mean? Is that like a QuickBooks <clears throat> certified professional? You're like a partner. You're kind of like a partner. Like you're, fr- you're a freelancer who goes out. You could sell your art like as a designated, like we approve you oh. um, Lego person. And then the one, I met somebody. Where was the one? I met somebody who knows somebody who has this other crazy job which is like the Lego, like I think they're called Mavericks. It's the people who are like, like your job is to go and like figure out what wackadoodle thing could be made or what kind of crazy new piece could be introduced. But it's interesting. There are actual professions. It sounds like it doesn't pay super well in these jobs, but that was not on my job, Odan. No. Yeah. Um, I would like to mention, as I do occasionally, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, you can uh, go to showbot.5by5.tv while we're recording the, the program, as in now. We remind people of this because sometimes we only talk about it after mm. the show, which is mm, counterintuitive. Yeah, it is. And you can go in and, uh, and help us uh, pick what the title of the show will be. The top, uh, top picks right now, Binder Clips on Your Green Card <laughs> by JXPX777. Anti-Power's manifesting in different ways. He's familiar with fairies. Daddy, I'm going shopping. <laughs> Pirate Edges, Schrodinger's Disciplinary System. No one said that. The Rainbow Card, Fake Cursive at all and also you know always check out the show notes because we put time into these things I don't mean to be promoting the show Dan you're very but I think people should know things you're uh, involved with hello <laughs> <laughs> so that's it they can listen live they can go to 5x5.tv slash live or 5x5.fm or they can get the free iOS app by searching in the iTunes store for 5x5 radio or they can get the Mac OS 10 streaming app also free in the app store, 5x5, find it. And then they can listen live, and then they can add their own show notes and links. And you can go to iTunes, and you can give us a nice uh, a nice rating and a, and, a, and a lovely review and say how much you enjoy the show and what yeah. you tune in for. That's great. You could go to HiveLogic.com. No. You could go to BaconMethod.com. No. You can go to KungFuGrip.com. You can go yes. to Twitter.com. You can go to Facebook.com. <laughs> you can go to JerkStore.com. You can go to LinkedIn.com, .com, 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 Let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Marlon Man.